Welcome to Writing It, a podcast by Ed Adams. The Triangle, episode 13. Dirty Money, Here's How to Clean It, a novel by Ed Adams. Bouquet in Zurich. Bixi and Claire had obtained a basic map of Zurich from the local hotel concierge. They had found out where the apartment block was located and decided it was near enough to central Zurich to take a taxi. The Zurich morning was crisply cold, but the sun shone. There was white frost in the shadows, but where the sun reached it had melted and dried already. They had decided to keep the hotel rooms for two days so that they could use them as a base camp while they were on the trail of the apartment. Bixi's phone rang. Claire, said the writing on the screen. It was Jake using Claire's borrowed phone. I'm in a jam, called Jake. We've been rumbled at your place, Big Z, he continued, and then began to explain the recent developments. So where are you right now, asked Big Z, and Jake explained that he had borrowed Rick's car as an escape vehicle and driven out of London to the west. He was parked in the Heston services on the westbound part of the M4 motorway. We'd better tell Rick about his car, continued Big Z. We don't want him blowing the whistle. Big Z had the phone number of Rick on his cell phone and could call him after their conversation was over. He knew that Rick would not be irritated rather than annoyed once he knew the car was not exactly stolen but rather that it was borrowed. He also knew that once Rick was in on part of the story there would be total forgiveness. Jake explained the situation to Claire and they decided it was best if Jake carried on along the motorway further out of London and then found a cheap travel lodge for a couple of nights until they got back and could rally their thoughts. They agreed to keep in contact by cell phone and text message and then Bigsy rang off. Jake walked to the entrance of the Heston Services building and saw a large road map of the UK with travel lodges marked. There was actually one right here in Heston. That would do fine. He walked back to his car and then drove the short distance between the services complex to the overnight travel lodge facility and requested a room for the next three nights. Back in Zurich, Bixi and Claire hailed a taxi and made their early way to the apartment block that they had first seen on the internet site. Claire had a print of the details from the website and as they travelled she unwrapped it from her pocket. So how will we handle it when we get there, she asked Big Z. They'd already talked about this. They would first simply visit the concierge, if there was one, and ask about the flat. They would claim to have something to deliver. Claire thought flowers was the most straightforward. She could visit the desk and look like a florist doing a delivery. Claire did speak some basic German. In this area of Switzerland, a foreigner doing a delivery would not seem too out of place. They had decided that even without a concierge, the flower story would be a good cover. They could then directly ring the bell to see if anyone was in. The apartments were big enough to mean that it was a reasonable traffic of people in and out, so getting into the lobby would be easy enough. In the event, they soon discussed these options in the back of the taxi, but they found themselves at the apartment. There was the main entrance with ground floor letterboxes and buttons to announce arrival. This would make access to the building easy, but access to the specific apartment quite difficult. They walked from the entrance back to the main street. It was a fairly busy road with a nearby roundabout and a selection of so- shops, plus a bar and a separate cafe quite close. Down a small hill was a further run of shops, and close to the end of the row was a beautiful and decidedly high-end florist. Claire and Bigsy looked at one another and nodded. This will do fine, said Bigsy. You choose the flowers, Claire. Claire selected a medium-sized bouquet, which seemed to be partly wrapped in some manly black paper and without too many frills and bows. She then paid using some of the funny Swiss francs, a mix of high-tech banknotes and a type of coinage which nowadays seems surprisingly large and heavy. They walked back to the apartment block, entered the lobby, pressed the button to the apartment and waited to see what would happen. 
Bonjour, said a voice. Hello, said Claire. Sprechen Sie English? Do you speak English? Yes, came the reply. I prefer to speak English rather than German, the voice continued. Great, she continued. I have a delivery of flowers for you. She was pleasantly surprised how easy this was going. Flowers, inquired the voice. Who are they from? I don't know, answered Claire, realising she had not worked out this part of the plan. It says they are from Jay, she lied, thinking quickly. Okay, said the voice. You can bring them up. Claire looked at Bigsy, who remained silent. This was going too well. Was this the right apartment? Was there something else in play? There was a buzz from an inner door, which now opened, leading to a small elevator. Claire went inside, signalling to Bigsy to wait in the lobby. She ascended to the top floor and looked for the apartment. There was another bell push on the door. She pushed it and waited for a response. Nothing. After a delay, she tried again. Still no response. At that moment, a different visitor appeared from around a corner at the end of the corridor and was making his way towards the elevator. Entschuldigen Sie mir, she asked, and continuing in German, Do you know the person who lives here? Nine, replied the man, who continued towards the elevator. She noticed he was wearing flip-flop sandals and no socks. He looked unshaven and unkempt. In her best German, she continued and asked him if, she, if he knew any of the other people who lived on the floor. He briefly looked at her, looked up and down, and at the flowers. As took me a light, he answered, I'm sorry, and then continued in bad German to say, I don't really understand German very well. It was the same person she had spoken to on the apartment buzzer a few moments earlier. Look, she said, I've come a long way to find you. I know about you, and I just want to talk. His posture softened. He looked as if he had received some sort of a body blow. She realised it was an emotional response of relief, and she asked him if, it, if she could talk. All right, he said, you'd better come inside, now speaking English. Claire had a sense that she knew the voice from somewhere. They walked back towards the apartment. Wait, said Claire, I must let my friend know what is happening. She pressed the fast dial on her phone downstairs. We're going to talk, she said. I'm also to ask him whether you can join us. She asked the man, and he agreed to let Bigsy join them. He opened his apartment door, pressed the buzzer, and around a minute later, Bigsy stepped from the elevator. This is my friend Bigsy, introduced Claire. And my name is Claire, she continued. And my name is Darren Collins, came the reply. In South London, Manners had already dropped off his three American assistants, a short distance from their completed operation. They had then split up and made their separate travel arrangements. Each had been paid by Manners and knew that further questions would just increase risk. Manners had now unloaded the computer equipment from the van. It was much quicker to unload with the van parked tailgate to the arch. In around ten minutes, the equipment was spread in a row while Manners looked decided how to proceed to interrogate it. He looked at what they had acquired, a few PC tower units, no doubt with large hard drives full of data, a couple of laptops, one quite old and the other very modern, some communication devices, a CD cutter and a small network disk drive. He looked at the disk drive again. It said Apple on the top, and someone had written Jake's backup in felt tip on the top cover. There was a good chance that this was the unit he needed. He started the modern laptop. It refused to cooperate. Enter password, it blinked. This could take ages. He looked again at the other equipment. He connected the various wires to assemble one of the tower units and switched it on. The screen was black and then some white writing flashed across. It was starting up. Around a minute later, a blue screen winked welcome. He pressed enter and it said, enter password. He tried the usual tricks, reset, special key combinations, passwords such as password, admin, secret, Jake, nothing worked. He decided he would need another approach. 
Picking up the small disk drive and its connector cables, he walked out of the lockup and jumped back into the van. He was going shopping. Please identify yourself. The news that Banksy and Claire were talking to the previously assumed dead Darren Collins was a complete shock. The three of them hurried into the apartment, which was sleek and stylish. Claire remembered Jake's words about Darren's office, how elegant and cutting-edge it had been. This description also fitted the apartment here in Zurich, although the current version of Darren standing in front of them didn't. They'd never seen Darren before, and so they had only his word that he was who he said he was. Claire realised that he and Bigsy were accidental experts on a small slice of Darren's life, his car. They both listened to Jake's interview two or three times looking for clues. If this was Darren, he should be able to give them the same answers about his pride and joy motor vehicle. So, before we start, quizzed Claire, we need to ask you some basic questions. This may seem strange at first. Go ahead, said Darren, I could predict this. Claire started to ask questions about the McLaren car. Starting with simple kinds of questions, like what type of car was it, and then progressively getting more specialised based on what she could remember from the interview. Maximum speed, number of cylinders, the way the doors opened, and Darren was getting them all right. Bixie realised what Claire was doing, and also nodded as he heard a series of right answers. Then Darren asked a question, so what colour was the car? He asked the two of them. Neither knew. It was not in the interview. They hesitated. Darren said, I thought so. You're working from the interview transcript. Is that where you got this apartment? What has happened to Jake uh, Lambers, he he quizzed. Jake is fine, answered Bigsie, and we needed to know you were who you said you were before we went any further. How on earth did you get here, and what is the story about you being dead? This is all very weird. Yeah, weird, dangerous and complicated, responded Darren. I will explain, but I need to know I can trust you first. He walked to a wardrobe in the room and returned with a small metal box. Inside the box was a passport, a badge and a cell phone. I was recruited to a special unit within HMRC, Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs. Because of my tax status, they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. HMRC has a special operations unit involved with international crime and international fraud. I was working on a highly sophisticated crime involving drugs, vice, major currency movements and money laundering. We had worked out it was something illegal, replied Claire. We've been putting it together our theories, she continued. Let me try to explain, responded Collins. There's a lot to tell. I'm trusting you two. If you'd wanted to harm me, you'd have already done it by now. The story stacks up that you are friends of Jake Lambers, but understand me, the more I tell you, the more dangerous it gets for all of us. Collins moved across the room to a bright area with two colourful yellow leather sofas facing one another and separated by a table made of some kind of grey stone. The table looked immensely heavy and probably cost as much as Biggs's car. On the wall between the sofas hung a sleek plasma television. I was part of an undercover operation. UK government asked me to embed myself in this unit under investigation. The powers of the Customs and Excise Unit in the UK are some of the most powerful in the British justice system, so I could operate in ways which were well outside the powers of the police force. For example, that's not to say I was going out of my way to break the law, let's just say it was becoming a necessary extension to find out the scale of what was happening. I I had to get sign off from the Home Office, even though it creates problems for me now. Claire and Bigsy looked at one another. Either they were being told the truth, or this was a wildly elaborate lie for reasons they couldn't fathom. Darren continued, I've been tracking a massive money laundering operation. 
I had to set up a new node in their network and become part of the process. The name for the network, Alshalat Alziuka, the Blue Flame. Bigzion interrupted. As in the Blue Flame code word? Exactly, continued Darren. Using the Blue Flame as a code was a way to tell people involved with following up what I'd been doing that they were on the right track. Except no one could say the Arabic. We decided to simplify it and it became al Masalas, which most people could spell well enough in reports. It means the triangle in Arabic. Everyone I was working with knew about al Masalas as a code word, so when I used the blue flame and a code number, it gave a way to confirm it was linked. Isn't it a bit over the top? asked Claire. Trust me, continued Darren, not realising the irony. We're dealing with some heavy people here, and they don't mess about. If they take a dislike, then someone is going to get killed. Yes, we've seen that already, continued Claire. So, Blue Flame is an organisation making money on an industrial scale from the illegal export of petrochemicals from Saudi Arabia, explained Darren. There are several aspects, and the processes for each of them are pretty much the same. I'll explain it with oil, but it applies to other commodities too. It can be deceptively simple. Oil products are drilled, pumped and processed in the normal way in the eastern part of Saudi Arabia, but the supplies are then split in their transit towards the port for onward transmission. The legitimate part went through the normal port side of customs clearance, but the illegal part was simply split off and continued in different pipelines until they reached another sea-based destination. And there are underground pipelines from two large Saudi ports at Al-Jubayel and Ras al-Kafji, one simply goes to an obvious offshore fueling point, but the other one snakes across the border into the neighbouring Iran. BC and Claire's geography was not up to the level of description from Collins, and they stopped him to ask some questions. Just a minute, asked Collins, and he flipped a remote control laying on the stone table. The plasma screen flicked into life. It's an internet terminal as well as a television, commented Collins. Let me show you. He flipped a couple more buttons and reached down by the side of the table. There was a sliding drawer. He pulled out a slim white keyboard and a small white mouse. He placed both items on the table and started to type. The screen now showed a conventional looking computer display and then up popped an internet browser display. He typed CIA World Book into the keyboard and sure enough up popped a screen saying CIA World Factbook. This is a CIA website he explained but anyone can use it. For field operatives it's as easy to flaunt some of the access to systems rather than hide them. If an agent in the field needs access and doesn't have specialised equipment, then the CIA has made it easy to get basic information. He continued and tapped in Saudi Arabia, and within a few seconds he was on a screen showing basic facts and figures about Saudi Arabia. A few more taps, and he was looking at the map of the region. Look here, he continued, and gestured to the western side of Saudi Arabia on the map, and then to an area around the Persian Gulf. Here they could see the towns Darren had referenced, Pixie and Claire could see that they were well positioned for access to the sea and near enough to the borders of surrounding countries. The investigation I was involved with started by looking at these very spots he gestured to Al-Jubayel and Ras al-Kafji. The basics were that fuel oils were coming into the UK illegally, often from Southampton and Liverpool. There was a trail that led back to the Gulf and the good customs people were investigating the basis of the route. At the time it started they had no idea of the scale or reach of what we had discovered. Our unit asked me to get involved as a way to gain intelligence about the scale of the operation. My trading at this time was iffy. So I was given a front as a tradable, susceptible to corruption. Someone then introduced me to the Blue Flame crowd and I was later approached to extend their operation. By whom? asked Claire. Surely you are provoking the illegal traffic rather than stopping it. 
Isn't that entrapment or something? You have a point, but at this stage I didn't have a clue about the eventual process I would discover. And though it would be more like a simple sting, you know, they hand me some money, I call in backup and everyone gets arrested, continued Darren. Except it wasn't like that. They approached me via an intermediary representing offshore interests and created a complete legal framework from a company based in Belgium. I was asked to participate by a Swedish businessman who fronted a consortium of Arabs from Saudi and other Gulf states. I think the people I met believed I was already involved with some other financial crimes. We used that to provide me with a stronger background story and corroboration, both in police files and with other places we expected we'd get an investigation. The Swedish businessman was named Fredriksson. He made me the offer that became the basis of the operation that I was running when Jake met and interviewed me. I had to opt in as a way to follow the trail, and frankly was not sure about what would happen to me if I declined. Pixie and Claire both considered the implications of what they were hearing and tried to work out whether it was all true. A lot of it tied up with what they had heard from Jake, and with theories they had been working out between themselves. So how did you get the money to create the office and business you were running, asked Pixie. Darren replied, It was amazingly easy once they had decided they wanted me to do this. I don't think I can easily describe how much money was involved in this process. Imagine an oil field which is permanently pro pumping its product into an illegal operation. The operation of the oil field is part of a legitimate operation which passes all the normal tests and inspections. The only difference is that the declared capacity of the oil field is only half its true output. The rest disappears into the illegal process. Now multiply that by many fields. You should start to get an idea of the volume of money in this process. Using me and asking me to create a shell organisation to start the laundering process just created more and more cash. To begin with, I couldn't believe how much money was created, although my main interest was to follow the chain back so that we could round up the people responsible. I had to make the operation I was running look suitably big and stylish to convince them of my character, as we had to create the right kind of attention. Bixi and Claire looked confused by the last remark. We needed to attract a particular type of attention so that if there were other equivalent organisations, there would be a reasonable chance to flush them out. The car article was more than just self-promotion. It was also planned as a commercial about what we were doing to people in the know. Journalists like Jake may not realise it, but some of those glossy magazines are also recruitment and advertising spaces for organised crime. Spot the bling. We all know what a Rolex means, but there are other subtle signs as well. Vacheron Constantine could indicate mafia connections. Pabida Watch, a Russian patriot. Possible connections to the FSB. Do you get my drift? We'd realised that this particular assignment was linked like the tip of an iceberg. We found out that there were other organisations also operating in an interconnected way, using similar processes to launder their own money. Organised crime needs a way to reintroduce its money to the economy, and this approach seems to be a widespread thing. He paused. So, from starting to track down some oil tanker mischief in Liverpool for HMRC, I became more involved with it as I got deeper into their crime syndicate. I was beginning to see the scope and breadth, but I also realised I was becoming more and more of a target if I attempted to report back to my involvement. The session with the Arab heavies that Jake Lambert spotted was a turning point for me. That's when I decided that I needed to get out of it or be in fear of my life. My way out needed to be a plausible exit of some kind, but in a way that escaped complete detection. I had to do two different things. One was to create a separate fund so that I would be able to create a new and utterly independent life for myself. 
With the access to money that I had, a small adjustment to a couple of the dials would rapidly increase the fund for me to use in a way which was pretty much undetectable. The second thing I needed was to create a plausible reason for the people to stop looking for me, hence the car crash story. By the way, you described this, it makes it sound as if you've turned from one of the good guys into one of the bad guys, questioned Claire. It has become a matter of survival for me, replied Darren. If I blew the whistle on what was happening, I doubted whether I'd make it to the next weekend, he said. The people involved with this have an exceptional reach. With such funding, any minor hindrances are ruthlessly dealt with. Collins went on to describe the complicated way he had engineered his disappearance. He had manipulated some failures to the business and simultaneously been moving money away in preparation for his demise. Collins had also used his background to get himself interviewed. He wanted someone random to meet him and use this to pass on some details. He was going to use this random factor to create a way to complete the chain of feedback without traceability back to himself. So, we are the chain, stuttered Claire. Correct, replied Collins. There was supposed to be no link between Jake and me. Now you've come along, it adds even more f a further stage, as you are not the person who interviewed me about my car. And when you pass the information on to the people I tell you, you will need to think yourselves about how to add another link. Collins continued, there is a considerable amount of data to describe the network of links. It is similar to the internet, and that if one part breaks, another route is used as a diversion until the original link heals in some way. The size of the network means there are ways to cross-check things. That is one of the reasons it had to look like a road accident. Well, you certainly fooled most people, said Bigsy. Yes, and we didn't even know it was you when we figured out the coordinates from our code word, said Claire. I had to use a substantial sum of money to create what is essentially an alibi based on my faked death. Anyone from the dark side of the network would take no chances after such fabrication. Meaning what exactly? asked Claire. They would also kill the people involved in the cover-up, so that there was at least one further layer of insulation to get to the truth. I didn't do that, so there is always a chance that I would be discovered as still alive by someone from inside Blue Flame. Now I'll have to make the best of things. I'll pass some information which will allow the network to be detected and attempts made to start to dismantle it. The reason I can do this is that I was operating on such a large scale that I started to find out about more than one operation of the system. By the time I had access to three routes, I could start to piece together how the whole environment has been created. You mean like triangulation, asked my PC? In a manner of speaking, responded Collins, if you start to assemble the network, particularly in the European and Northwest Asian area, then it is possible to start to see where the trunk roots of the money flow. It's about more than oil, and it does seem to be much broader. Everyone expects that the Russian Mafia is also involved, and that there is influence from the drug traffic from Pakistan and Afghanistan's Helmand province, which flows across the Turkish connections. The Arabian part links with the illicit oil shipments, and that is the area where I first discovered. Of course, this only represents one-eighth of the planet and doesn't even touch the United States or South America, so I expect there are large other zones that are not even visible at present. The data I collected from inside is stored on a hard drive. If I deliver it in its current form, I'm certain that many I know will be killed as retribution. We need to find a way to achieve the delivery of the data without making it so obvious about the source. Claire asked, So will you give the information to us? Won't it have the same effect when we try to pass it on? We may deliver it, but it will look the same and therefore link back to you. Precisely, said Collins. That is why you must change the information first. The most straightforward way to use the information I have provided to pass to another new organisation. 
It can be done in a way that ensures interception by a government agency and becomes the plausible way for the blue flame to be discovered. The trick is to do this very early in the start-up of a new organisation. The recipient won't understand the information they are getting, but the authorities will. We can add a few keywords to provide authenticity without it being obvious that I've been involved or that either of you are. By the way, the authorities get what they need, but none of us is implicated. Claire and Bigsy remained silent as Collins stopped his description. In their wildest imagination, they could not have foreseen the events or stories of the last couple of hours, even on top of the events of the previous couple of days. So you are telling us that you are sitting on the key to breaking the organisation, but you can't use it directly, asked Claire. If you do, they'll work out the source and then everyone linked will be in trouble. Correct, said Collins, but using my plan means that the source is completely concealed via a new organisation acting as the unsuspecting deliverer of the information, and it moves the trail away from all of us completely.